If you dig the twisted, admire the outlandish, and are enamored by the unusual, you're in the right place. True crime, the supernatural, the unexplained, now you're speaking our language. If you agree, join us as we dive into the darker side. You know, because it's more fun over here. Welcome to Total Conundrum. Warning, some listeners may find the following content disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> hey, Conundrum crew. Welcome back to another episode of Total Conundrum. I'm your in-house storyteller, Jeremy. And oh boy, have we got a treat for you in this episode of Total Conundrum. You betcha we do. And it's going to be fan-freaking-tastic. Jeremy's about to share the story he created from the dark side of the moon about Bladrak, the cryptid who decided to wreak havoc through the charming town of St. Paul, Minnesota. Yep, folks, it all begins when Bladrak emerges from the mysterious caves that run along the Mississippi River banks. It's just like he decided, I'm tired of cave life. I think I'll go terrorize the city today. No more cave book for him, apparently. And there's just something peculiar and extra spooky about cryptids choosing city life over the wilderness, isn't there? Absolutely. So stay tuned to enjoy this courageous tale that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Bladrax on the prowl. And you better believe hero J.T. Anders gets wrapped up in this cryptic conundrum. And believe me, folks, JT's bravery is reaching new heights. But will he conquer the cryptid's reign of terror? Or will Bladrak just leave him running to and fro? Ooh, the suspense. <laughs> so tune in. Hold on to your seats. And while you're at it, share the news of this episode with your friends and fellow cryptid aficionados. Sharing is caring, folks. Well said, Tracy. Get ready to wade into the wonders of the cryptids as we bring you the story of Bladrak. But before we dive in, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that notification bell so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a thumbs up if you enjoyed this episode. That's right, Tracy. Also, a rating and review would mean the world to us if you're listening to us on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Plus, Drop us a line if you got any spooky stories or a chilling mystery you want us to dive into. We'd love to hear from you. Before we shock you with our episode of Bladrak, we'll be playing trailers that were shared with us. Macabre family and three siblings walk into a bar. A big thank you to them for collaborating with us. Everyone, go check out their podcast and show them the love and support that you show us. I have listened to both, and they are great. Enjoy listening to the trailers from our friends during our episode. Yeah. Hey, everyone. It's me, Stephanie, the hostess of the Macabre Family Podcast. Join me and my whole Macabre family every week as we tell you all the tales of spooky, kooky, creepy, freaky, hairy, you name it, we got it at the Macabre Family Podcast. Join us every week on all listening platforms. Stay spooky. Hey, Jeremy, how are you today? Good, Tracy. How are you? Good. Yeah. 
Shall we get into it? I am so excited because you read me little bits and pieces of this, but you left me hanging. Oh, yeah, I left you hanging. So I have no idea how the story ends up turning out or how it ends. So this is all going to be a big shocker surprise for me. All right. Well, let's find out how it starts, shall we? I suppose that's a good place to to begin. <laughs> All right. So from 1600 to 1837, the Dakota Indians resided on the land around St. Paul. Most of St. Paul was where the Dakota Indians buried their dead. So much of St. Paul was essentially burial mounds. As European American settlers moved into the area, the Dakota Indians got pushed out, forcing them to leave their homes and relocate. It is said that Dakota people cursed the land. In 1854, St. Paul officially became the second largest city in Minnesota. By 1880, St. Paul was becoming a bustling metropolis. They brought in the Northern Pacific Railway to start building transportation routes. And in 1926, they started construction on the MacGyver Lock and Dam system along the river. The MacGyver Lock and Dam, you huh? You betcha, you know. <laughs> Do they MacGyver a lot of their products? They did. <laughs> Duct tape and silly putty. <laughs> so the Mississippi River runs through St. Paul, and cave systems go for miles on the river's steep bank. River's steep bank. This was a massive project for the time, and it took eight years to complete. One day, as the workers built forms pour concrete, they noticed something off in the distance, flying around a cave resembling a large bird with bat-like wings. Weird. Yeah. All the workers were fixated on watching this creature fly effortlessly with great speed. I would be fixated on it too. What the hell is it? I think anybody would. It's <laughs> crazy. They watched it dip down below the trees, darting back into the sky and above the treetops, hovering for a second and then flying back into the caves. So it didn't even reveal itself fully. Not fully. Just gave a, them a little teaser. Just a little teaser. They weren't sure what it was, and a couple of them wanted to know. Wow. So one of the workers, J.T. Anders. J.T. Anders? Yeah. Love that name. Love that name, too. Could not get the image of this creature out of his head. So he started to ask the locals living in the area if they encountered this creature. Many locals told stories of hearing something like crying or screeching noises coming from the caves. Ooh, that's eerie. Yeah. He spoke to a member of the Dakota tribal leaders, a Ketcha, and she told JT that this creature is a dark omen created from a curse that is tied to the land. The creature is evil, she said. The creature's name is Wayaka Tasunka. Is that English? No. That's, <laughs> that's Native American for what? Exactly. <laughs> so roughly translated to Nocturnus Abisalwing. However... 
the locals call this creature blood drac. Blood drac. Blood drac, a fusion of blad, which means blood in Welsh, and drac, a reference to Dracula or a bat. This name captures the essence of the creature's bloodthirsty and bat-like qualities. I was just going to ask, is it have like vampire lines associated with it or we'll get there okay we'll get there girlfriend we'll get there <laughs> i'm not your girlfriend i'm your wife yeah that's true <laughs> so the mayor of saint paul at the time rich cunningham <laughs> told jt to talk to james a hetfield a journalist for the saint paul trident wow yeah J.T. went to meet Mr. Hetfield at his office to discuss the creature. James is a journalist and a sort of hunter of this creature. He explains how he and his son Emmanuel were hunting one day and ventured into the caves. They had gotten far into the cave systems when they heard a gut-wrenching, blood-curdling scream. James and Emmanuel reacted to the cry with intense fear, but checked where it came from to see if anyone needed help. Good Samaritans, you know. Yeah, but you know what? Don't wander into big, dark, deep, black holes like caves. Yeah, and then while you're in there, you hear somebody scream. Shit, I would have ran out of there pissing myself. <laughs> screaming like a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> there would have been a Jeremy-sized hole in the side of the cave. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> so they followed a path leading to a big open area. They shined their flashlights around the cavern, not seeing anything or hearing anything. Confused because they're basically at a dead end, they turned around and started walking out of the cave when something huge looked at them with glowing amber eyes. Ooh. Suddenly, it launched off the cave ceiling and flew over their heads. Oh, hell no. No way, man, no way. James and Emmanuel ran out of the caves as fast as they could. They vowed to never return to those caves ever again. Yeah, or a 30-mile radius near them. <laughs> Thousand mile. Yeah. James describes the creature in vivid detail from that day. The creature is a chilling and otherworldly being, a dark fusion of nightmarish elements. Its body is flexible, strong, and muscular, draped with obsidian black leathery skin and about six feet tall. From its back extends a pair of enormous, tattered bat wings with a wingspan that seems to stretch forever, casting a haunting silhouette against the light of the flashlight. At the forefront of its face, two piercing, glowing amber eyes fixated on its prey with an eerie intensity. These eyes seem to radiate an unsettling, evil energy, casting an unholy glow around them, as if they could peer into your soul. Its visage is dominated by a wicked, demonic grin, revealing two gleaming, sharp fangs that could rival any vampire in length and 
malevolence. And again, I say, oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. (laughs) I mean, a little tiny bat is scary enough. I mean, I would not, I would run out of the house if we had a bat in our house. And there, would would you call your husband at work uh to kill that said bat? Yes. That's in the bathtub? Yes. That. You know he is deathly afraid of bats. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to check because it, it is part of your husbandly duties. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe at the end of this story you'll understand why this story ends the way that it does. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Are you foreshadowing? <laughs> yes. So well, l- little backstory on that. We were living in this older, cool look, you know, it was a cool, cool older home. And one day I went up to clean the bathroom upstairs that our girls used all the time. And it was primarily their bathroom. So kids bathroom, you know, use your imagination. So Jeremy's at work and I go upstairs and walk into the bathroom and I pull the shower curtain back and there's something black in the tub. And I backpedal and slam the bathroom door and I'm out standing outside of the bathroom. I'm like, did I really see what I thought I saw? So I slowly went back in, pulled the curtain back again, again, backpedaled, ran out, shut the door. I did this like two or three times. So he's at work 30 miles away. Can't do a damn thing about it. But of course I have to call him in a panic. <laughs> yeah. So then I get home later <laughs> that afternoon you know, leaving her to deal with this bat. I just shut shut it in there. Right. She just <laughs> shuts the door. So I get home and I all man up and I pretend to be brave, walking up the stairs to the bat room. <laughs> and uh, I think I got so scared I just started chucking anything that was around. I, <laughs> sitting in the living room underneath the bathroom. <laughs> And I keep hearing like shampoo and conditioner bottles like hitting the tub and all this commotion. <laughs> yeah, I manned up though. I manned up. <laughs> and then didn't you try to flush it down the toilet or something? No, I don't think I would do that. I don't remember. <laughs> I just remember the the bottles like crashing in the oh, tub yeah. and yeah, stuff. There was stuff flying, that's for sure. Oh and no, it, I think you brought it outside afterwards. Yeah, probably. <laughs> So, its hands and feet are a cruel and disturbing amalgamation of monstrosity. Ew. Each of its fingers terminates into razor-sharp claws capable of easily rendering flesh. What? The claws on its feet are equally fearsome, enabling it to scale walls and ceilings with uncanny grace like a predatory beast poised to strike. That's just <laughs> an uh, That's just an unfair advantage. Yeah, that's a badass uh, cryptid here. Yeah, and he's big so he could like pick people out and like fly off with them and right. stuff. Yeah, totally. Ugh. So, this creature's presence is an embodiment of darkness and terror, and it moves with predatory grace. Its bat wings unfurled as it takes to the skies, a haunting figure that strikes fear into the heart of all those who dare cross its path. Yeah, and if you could see me right now, I'm sitting here with my nose cringed 
And my face like all twisted because the thought of this thing is just, ugh. Tis spooky season, baby. Yes. Tis spooky season. All right. So James warns JT to be very careful. Nothing good can come from getting too close to Bloodrack. It is pure evil. JT went back home and had dinner with his wife, Lacey Anders. Oh, hello, Lacey. Hello, Lacey. She asked him about his day, and he told her about his day at work, leaving out the large bat-like creature him and his co-workers had seen that day. The next day at work, like any other day, he got his tool bag and started working. He noticed that Jared Bowie... <laughs> one of his co-workers and good friends didn't show up for work that day. He asked his other co-workers if they had seen or heard from him, and they said they had not. He found this odd, but kind of put it in the back of his mind and finished his day at work. On his drive, he stopped off at a local pub where his friends hung out to have a beer before going home. He went in and sat down at his regular chair at the bar. After a couple of minutes, his buddy Bobby walked in and went right to JT and asked if he had heard about Jared. JT said no, he wasn't at work today. Bobby said that Jared was found dead by his hunting cabin this morning. Oh no. His wife said he never came home last night, so the police went to look for him and found his body over by the caves. It looked like a bear had mauled him, and the weirdest part was all of his blood was drained from his body. Police are calling it a hunting accident. It looks like he had a rifle with him, and he shot three times, and it appears to have not hit anything. There was no other blood at the scene other than his own, so they think that a bear charged him, and he never had time to get the rifle up and get a clean shot. Oh, no. JT tells Bobby about what he had witnessed at work yesterday and the conversation that he had with James, the journalist, and his son. Bobby chuckled at the story and called JT an idiot. <laughs> and, and said, why are you trying to sell me on all this supernatural bullshit? And walked away. Well, he's not a believer. He's not a believer. And Bobby was... The biggest believer of them all from Supernatural. I know, right? <laughs> no relation there. So he was not surprised by the reaction of Bobby, a lounge singer who has never believed in anything unexplainable. JT, shocked by the news of his friend, drove up to Jared's cabin to look around to see if he could find anything to explain what happened. It was just getting dark as he pulled up to the cabin he located the spot where Jared was attacked and saw a set of distinct claw marks in the dirt that looked like three long claw marks on each foot. Ooh. Yeah. JT started following a path that led up to the caves overlooking a steep cliffside. He took his time placing each step carefully so he didn't fall off the steep slope. He got up to the cave entrance, and right at that moment, Bladrak flew out of the cave entrance. JT fell backwards, trying to get out of the way. JT noticing Bladrak circling around and flying back in his direction. He quickly grabbed a rock from the cliffside and threw it at Bladrak. 
hitting the monster right in the face. Bladrak appeared to be stunned by the rock. JT quickly ran down the path, all caution to the wind at this point, running down the path so fast it would have made a gazelle jealous. Wow, that's pretty damn fast. That's really damn fast. He got into his car, turned around, and started speeding towards his house, about 35 minutes away. JT owned a 1925 Model T with a top speed of 42 miles an hour. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> speed demon. <laughs> so he would not be breaking any land speed records with no. that thing. Throughout the next few weeks, more of his coworkers disappeared or were found dead. Anyone working with him on that day when they first saw Bladrak is being targeted. What? Yeah. Police are chalking it up to bear attacks and people just leaving town. JT tries to get the police to investigate the caves and the claims of the creature, but they refuse to listen. That evening, after leaving the police department, JT goes home, has dinner, and goes to bed early, frustrated, unsure of what to do. He finally falls asleep. JT and his wife, Lacey, are woken by a loud banging and scratching noises. What the hell? He goes downstairs to see where the noise is coming from and looks out of his kitchen window to see Bladrak scratching at the house with his razor-sharp claws and smashing itself into the house. Ooh, he's retaliating for the rock upside the head. I know, and he just put new siding on that freaking house and shit. Jeez. I know. I mean, have some respect for a dude's property. Right? <laughs> so anyways, it's hitting the wall so hard that the plaster is falling off the walls. Oh, plaster. Yeah, Yikes. Yeah, yeah, you remember plaster? I do. We oh, actually had a house boy. that had it. So... Lacey runs downstairs to see what's going on. JT tells Lacey to get his Colt 45 from the nightstand. JT shoots two shots with the Colt 45 through the wall at Bladrak and hears a loud roar. Did he hit him? He hit him. Yes. Didn't hurt him. Ah. Uh, <laughs> that's not fair. Well, Lacey went off. He went off to his cave again. Bladrak flies off. JT calls the operator to get the police on the line and tells them what transpired. Yeah, I suppose they didn't have 911 back then. No, you had to call the operator first, you know. <laughs> what, 911 didn't happen until like the 80s or something, right? Or was uh, it, it was in the 70s? 80s. No, it was in the 80s, yeah. Yeah, so the police investigate the scene and see the claw marks on the side of the house, plaster on the floor, and what could have caused all this destruction? Still, they were not buying into the idea of a monster lurking around St. Paul. So at that moment, JT knew they were on their own. Oh. The next day, JT decided to talk to the Dakota leader, Akesha. He asked Akesha how to stop Ladrak. She said guns or knives would not harm this evil. The only way to get rid of Bladrak is with an arrow dipped in dead man's blood. Cut off its head and then burn it. Wow. Yep. It's the only way to get rid of it. So that's a multi-step process. It really is. It really is. That's why it gets good. It sounds like it. I'm excited. Yep. 
Not going to give you any details, but it gets good. It Come gets on, really good. Tell me what happens. All right. Calm down. <laughs> JT went to see James Hetfield after leaving Akesha and asked him if he would assist in going after Bladrak. James agrees to help and hoped that getting rid of this demon creature from hell would help his son recover from the torment he went through of seeing Bladrak. James then turns to me gives me a thumbs up and says, we're off to never, never land. JT found that statement unusual, but gives James a thumbs up and says, sleep with one eye open. JT calls a couple of his old military buddies, Sam and Dean Winechester, <laughs> who were both expert hunters and trackers. Did they show up in a black Impala? No, it's 1926. Oh, that's right. Damn they showed it. up in a 1926 TT truck. TT truck? Yeah. So Sam and Dean arrived in town the next day, and they all started formulating a plan. Meanwhile, back at the Anders residence, Lacey was out hanging laundry on the line in the backyard of their house. Now dusk, the sun is starting to set, and the shadows are being cast on their lawn. As Lacey returns to the house, Bladrak swooped out of the sky and picked her up. Oh, that asshole. There goes Lacey. Put her down, dude. She, she didn't do anything to deserve that. Well, she's seen the creature now. Oh. Yeah, she's seen it. Somebody go save Lacey. So, you know, as fate has it, anybody that sees the creature meets their demise. Ooh. When JT arrives home that evening, he was concerned because his wife was always home then. He started frantically calling all their neighbors and her friends, and nobody had heard from her all day. JT noticed that the laundry still on the line in the backyard, so he investigated the area for any signs of what might have happened to his beloved Lacey. Wow. Yeah. And you know... Yeah, bad things happen when you get taken by blood drag. Yeah. Yeah, bad things happen. Bad things happen. Now, please tell me you you didn't kill off poor Lacey. I guess we'll find out. I don't know how the story goes. Oh, it's a mystery? It's a mystery. <laughs> so JT, during his investigation, found a piece of torn fabric with a two-inch black claw on the ground that he instantly knew it was Bloodrack. JT went to Mayor Rich Cunningham <laughs> to request access to the morgue to get blood from a deceased body. Oh, blood from a dead man. Yep, dead man blood. It's good that the mayor believed in Bloodrack, or that might have seemed like an odd request. Rich gets in touch with the coroner, Chris Farvley, <laughs> to meet Rich at the morgue. Rich retrieves the blood from the morgue and delivers it to James's office, where JT, Sam, and Dean await him. In the meantime, Sam and Dean are building crossbows for everybody to carry into the caves. JT is gathering machetes to use in the battle against Bladrag. Sam tells JT, James, and Dean that they get one shot at Bedrack and won't get a chance to reload, so make your shots count. No pressure. No pressure at all. 
I mean, I guess there's four men, four crossbows. You know. Yeah. Sam and Dean loaded all the equipment into their 1926 Ford TT, <laughs> a one-ton truck that they used for hunting and delivering moonshine. Wow. Yep. Rebels. Rebels without a cause. Or I guess they had a cause, but... So what kind of uh, cool tunes were they jamming out to on the way to these caves? Oh, obviously Leonard Skinner. I mean, get real. But was that... Did that exist in that time frame? (laughs) Of course not. Don't be silly. All right. So Sam and Dean were in the truck's cab, and JT and James were in the back of the truck. They drove the truck up to Jared's hunting cabin and hiked to the caves. Sam and Dean had a barrel of gas and a bunch of torches in the back of the truck. They rolled the barrel up to the cave entrances and started lighting the torches and tossing them on either sides of the caves to light the area up. They kept lighting more and more torches as they worked further into the caves. Finally, they got to the cavern opening of the cave systems where James and his son had last confronted Bladrak. They illuminated the cavern with the torches and spotted someone lying on the cavern floor. JT instantly recognized his wife's clothing and ran to check on her. She was still alive, but appeared to be weak and lethargic. Oh, no. She was in shock and couldn't talk. JT asked Lacey where Bladrak was, and she pointed to the cave's entrance. So they knew it wouldn't be long before Bladrak entered the cave. Bladrak is nocturnal, and it's almost dawn. The sun would be up, coming up in about 10 minutes. JT found a smaller cave system in one of the cavern walls, and they moved Lacey into the small tunnel so she would be safe. And they got ready for the fight of their lives. Oh, no. They readied the crossbows with the arrows dipped in dead man's blood. They strapped machetes to their sides. Suddenly, Bladrak was hovering over their heads, shocked, expecting it to enter from the cave entrance. Yeah, where the hell did he come from? (laughs) He came from above them. Wow. Bladrak dropped to the ground with lightning speed and started spinning around with its wings fully extended, hitting and slashing at JT, James, Sam, and Dean. They all went flying and smashed into the cave walls. Dean got slashed with Bladrak's razor-sharp claws. Sam was the first to get up and swung the machete at Bladrak, and Bladrak grabbed Sam in the chest with his claws and bit Sam on the neck. Jeez. James was knocked unconscious. JT got up quickly, dove out of the way of another winged attack by Bladrak, got the crossbow up and took aim and missed, arrow bouncing off the cave wall. Oh, shit. JT was feeling Bladrak's eyes on him. It felt like he was draining his soul out of his body with its glare. Those are some uh, pretty powerful eyes. Yeah. JT tried to get to Dean to get his crossbow, evading another attack from Bladrak. 
got Dean's crossbow and fired the shot right into Bladrak's heart. The demon creature from hell fell to the ground with a thunderous boom. Have you ever wondered what it's like to hang out with three siblings in a bar? Three siblings that like to tell true crime and paranormal stories and are also hilarious? I'm Deshay, the oldest sibling. I'm Sage, the middle sibling. And I'm Storm, the youngest sibling. So come hang out with us every Monday for a new episode of Three Siblings Walk Into a Bar, available on wherever you listen to your podcast. At this moment, James wakes up, runs to Bladrak, and slices his head clean off with the machete. Yeah, don't don't mess around. Don't wait. Get it. Get to it. Get it done. So JT and James pour gas from the barrel onto Bladrak, lighting him up with a torch. The evil is no more, but casualties were high on this day. Dean succumbed to his injuries. Oh no. Sam's injuries are fatal, and he dies at his brother Dean's side. Oh. James, feeling this wave of grief that has gripped his family's life for months, is now over. JT and James carry Lacey to Dean's truck and load her into the cab. James drives JT and Lacey back home, and JT moves Lacey into the house and puts her in bed. James returns home to tell his son that the nightmare is over. JT is trying to get Lacey to drink some water, and he notices she had been bitten on the neck. JT bandages her neck. Lacey seems to be resting peacefully now, so he also turns into bed. In the middle of the night, Lacey wakes up with a hunger and a thirst for blood. Oh, no. Like she has never had before. She could smell JT's blood pumping through his veins. (laughs) And she plunged her newly acquired fangs right into his neck. Oh, no. Draining every last drop of blood. Lacey is never seen again, but most likely living in L.A., schmoozing with all the famous people, eating all the housewives of Beverly Hills, (laughs) and hosting her own true crime podcast. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) P.S. Sam and Dean Winechesters started a band with God, and they're selling out stadiums all over heaven. (laughs) That was so good. (laughs) And that's my story, folks. Oh, that. Oh, I am speechless. That was awesome. I'm glad you liked it. I did. I'm not glad that I killed you in the end, but... (laughs) It was a good twist, though, wasn't it? It was. If you didn't figure it out, Jeremy's nickname is JT, and I'm Lacey. (laughs) (laughs) And we had some special appearances by some uh, famous people. Yeah, but you'll have to figure those out. We can't spill all the beans here. No, those are his little Easter eggs. You have to, you know, if you figure them out... Let us know. Let us know on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, all of the socials. DM us on Twitter or whatever, any of the socials. 
That was so fun. What a great creative story. Yeah, that was a good Halloween uh, story. I, Definitely. Sure. And the twist at the end, that, oh my, I did not expect that. I told you not to kill me, <laughs> and I told you not to kill you, yeah. but then you totally backstabbed me. Yep, and <laughs> I, I killed myself, damn it. No, you had me kill you. Well, same thing. No. I wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) I am impressed. (laughs) Applaud. Big applaud. Well, um, so I guess here would be a good time to... uh, Oh, our conundrum. Do our conundrum challenge. Our conundrum challenge. All right. For the conundrum challenge this week... The riddle is, I have keys, but open no locks. I have space, but no room. You can enter, but you can't go inside. What am I? That's so confusitating. It is confusitating. How could anybody ever figure that out? We've seemed to have had pretty good luck with people figuring it out. We got some pretty smart listeners. We sure do. Please help us out, people. Tell us what the riddle is. Yes. And don't forget, if you have stories of any kind, if you want to be on the podcast, we can do an interview with you over the phone or via Zoom. Uh, If you want to write it in, if you don't want to tell it, we can tell it for you. We need your stories, guys. We want to start doing extra content with some listener stories. Even if you have some confessions, confessions of something that, you you know have never told anybody we'll take those too but we also have some crossover episodes coming up we have crossovers that are either scheduled or we will be scheduling soon with bizarre encounters the hot garbage show one nothing podcast the conversation cabin and haunts And we're going to have an interview with Nash and possibly some of his crew from Chasing Legends. Wow. They have a fantastic YouTube channel and they go out and they seek out cryptids and stuff. And I've been watching it. And actually, I've known Nash since he was a little tyke. (laughs) Him and my son were very good friends. So it's been fun to reconnect with him and to have him come on to the show is going to be pretty amazing that's pretty cool and then we also are trying to finalize a couple more interviews on some haunted occurrences so that's going to be fun so we're trying to add some more fun content get some people in do some crossovers you know, we, we're doing it all for you guys. Yeehaw! Yes. But do you have anything else for us today, Jeremy? I think I've said all I need to. All right. Well, all right. on that note. All right, all right, all right. Until next time, everybody. We love you. Goodbye. Peace. Laters. Bye. Thanks for hanging out with us here at Total Conundrum. Please make sure to check out our website and blog at TotalConundrum.com. For news, upcoming events, merch, bloopers, and additional hysteria, you never know what will pop up, so be sure to follow along. 
If you want to show your support for Total Conundrum and gain access to all of our bonus content, please visit our Patreon page. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The links are available in our show notes. If you have any questions, comments, recommendations, or stories to share, please email us at contact at totalconundrum.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate the love. Keep on creeping on, mother cluckers.